0: I'm up here today to tell you about um, a rather sad, uh, for me, sad staff transition that's taking place. Um, Some of you may or may not know, but Renee Vare, the most wonderful woman in the world. Renee, come on up here. Uh, Renee has been in a discernment period with the Lord um, and recently has really felt called by the Lord to move uh, to Oxnard, California, uh, where she is following the Lord faithfully. Uh, Her and her husband purchased a home um, just a little while ago, and so Renee is in a process of transitioning uh, out of our ministry. But for those of you that don't know Renee, uh, Renee has served women's ministry faithfully uh, for four and a half years. If you've been in, you can clap for that Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've done anything with us the last four and a half years and it went well, it was because of Renee. Um, Renee handles all of our retreats. She does set up for every single event. She onboards all of our leaders. She handles every single phone call that comes to Women's Ministry. Every email you've received is probably from Renee. Um, and so it's with bittersweet just hearts that we want to bless her for this new season that she's headed into. And uh, when Renee told me she was leaving, the only peace that I had was that Renee is one of the most faithful women that I know. And I knew that she would only leave if the Lord had called her in obedience and in faith. And so... Um, It's been a sad week for us, or two weeks in women's ministry, to think about uh, losing a beloved sister, but we know that God calls us to bless those among us and to send them out with joy. And so Renee will be with us through the end of Bible study. Her last day is November 4th, um, and we're going to start the search for um, a new women's ministry administrator. So if you know anyone who might be interested, please let us know. But um, I just want to bless Renee today for her faithfulness. She is one of the most gracious women that I know know. If you don't have the privilege of knowing her, I'm sorry. I hope you get to know her when she moves to Um, But what I'd love to encourage you to do is if you do know Renee, um, just bless her as she goes. Words of encouragement, affirmation, prayers. Uh, she's been such a gift to the ministry, and we want to send her forth in love. So if you would do me the honor, if you just extend your hand, uh, I just want to pray a blessing over her and her family. Lord Jesus, you knew what you were doing when you made Renee, Father. You knit her together with such compassion and grace, God. And the faith of this woman, Lord, has carried our ministry for many years, Lord. Her countless hours behind the scene, her selfless heart, God. Uh, Just the way she loves others and takes care of everything uh, to bless and nurture them, Lord. You know the gifts that you put inside of Renee. And so, Lord, we bless her and Joel and their family, Lord, in this move to Oxnard. Father, I pray that you would provide for them above and beyond in every way, Lord, in community, in fellowship, and a good church home, and a new job, Lord. Father, we know that you have called and assigned uh, Joel and Renee in this season and that you know the plans you have for them and they're good. Uh, so, Father, as we grieve her moving on, Lord, we just fill her cup with joy, blessing, and gratitude. Lord, we're so thankful for how you've used Renee to move the gospel forth, Lord. And so right now I pray you'd fill her cup with joy that hope would be something that she wears on her sleeve and her heart and her mind every day, God, and that you just continue to cast vision for the goodness that you have coming her way, Lord. So we bless her with all the fruit of the spirit, God. Would you fill her cup with love today and would she know how loved she is by us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Love you, Renee.
1: Well, ladies, welcome. It's great to be with you. Let me say a special welcome to anyone joining us online or via our satellite groups. It's great to be with you, and I'm excited to get to continue with us today in our study from the book of Hosea. Well, you guys, earlier this year, my husband and I started watching a TV show called 24, and you might be thinking, how? Oh, 24 fans, anyone? Yes. You might be thinking, how did you guys just start watching that show? That show has been out for like two decades, and you would be right. It started 20 years ago in 2001. But what I should have said is my husband and I started re-watching this series called 24, and if you have never seen this series, it's really good, you guys. Basically, I think has nine seasons. Each season takes place in one day, so each season is 24 one-hour episodes, so you're watching this intense thing that's going on in one day in the life of a main character whose name is Jack Bauer and he's awesome. And the whole time you're watching, you're just on the edge of your seat and you're like, is Jack going to make it? Is he going to be alive? How is Jack Bauer going to save the world? It's awesome, 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 you guys. So my husband and I started re-watching 24, and we sat down, we started watching season one, and we're watching episode after episode, day after week is going by, and I say to my husband several times, hey, we cannot watch any more seasons. Like, this has to be it. We are wasting our time. We can only watch season one. We're gonna be done when this episode's done. But alas, we continued and we watched season two, and during season two, I said the same thing, this, okay, this is it, we are not going any farther, and then we found ourselves watching season three. And by the end of season three, my husband had more willpower than I had, and so he said, all right, I'm done, I'm gonna go do some other things with my time, and I said, cool, I'm gonna go watch season four without you. (laughs) And he was like, really, you're gonna watch without me? I said, yes. So it was late at night, it might've been a Sunday night, but I sat down in my living room. I started watching episode one of season four. And as I'm watching, I'm just feeling like something is not right about this. Like, what am I doing with my time right now? And I just had this sense of chill, what are you doing? Like, this is a waste of your time. Why are you continuing to watch this show? And please hear me say, I don't think there's anything wrong with watching a good TV show every now and then. But for me, and I know this about myself, TV can be one of those things that I use to numb or to cope or to escape the reality of life. TV is something for me that I I do to waste time, the, the time that God has given me. And honestly, TV for me has often been something that distracts me in my relationship with God. And so I just sat there watching the show. And honestly, I wasn't even paying attention to the first episode. I was also on my phone distracting myself with social media, which is another story. Um, But after episode one ended, I was just like, I can't keep doing this. This is a waste of my time. It's not a healthy pattern for me to be doing this. I think it's easy for us to get caught in unhealthy patterns or sinful behaviors in our life, it's easy to find ourselves enjoying the temporary pleasures that come with those patterns. And if we're honest, we often choose the temporary pleasures that come with unhealthy unhealthy patterns. We choose the temporary pleasures that come with sin over what we know is right and what we know that God wants for us. In the book of Hosea, Israel is stuck in sin. Hosea reminds us that God takes sin seriously, that there are consequences for our sin, but Hosea also points us to the hope and the redemption that can only be found in God. So wherever you find yourself stuck in an unhealthy pattern or habit, wherever you find yourself tempted to sin or stuck in sin or desiring to sin, I want us to be encouraged from what Hosea has to say to us. I want want us to be encouraged about how we can move away from sin and how we can move toward. of God. This week our reading has been Hosea chapter 4 verse 1 through chapter 6 verse 3. And chapter 4 begins with specific accusations or charges against Israel. And those chapters that that we've been reading this week are full of God's judgment for sin. And Coley mentioned this last week, but she unintentionally assigned me all the judgment passages. So we are back to judgment, you guys, but this is going to be awesome. Um, So these passages are full of God's judgment for Israel's sin. And so today we're gonna look at a few verses from these passages, from this section of Hosea, and I just wanna highlight two actions that I think we see that Israel needs to take, but also that we need to take. So two actions we need to take or two choices that we need to make in order to move away from sin and move towards God. So would you join me? We're gonna pray first, and we're gonna jump in to Hosea. God, thank you so much for... Each of the women who are here, thank you for your word. Thank you for putting us in the book of Hosea in this season, Lord. And God, thank you for what you want to speak to us through Hosea. Um, thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. Thank you that you are loving and merciful and forgiving. Thank you that you are our judge that you tell us what is right and what is wrong what is best for us and what's not lord and just thank you for whatever you want to do as we continue to study in hosea lord so even earlier as we sang about the spirit of the living god being with us lord we just pray that your spirit would move in this place that you would change us that you would change hearts and lives and god that you would speak to us in a way that only you can as we dig into your word we pray for healing and freedom and redemption to come out of this time as we study your word Lord. So we pray this in your great name jesus amen all right ladies so one action we're going to talk about two actions or two choices we need to make and that israel needed to make so one action that israel needed to make and that we need to make is to know god we need to know god and pursue continually pursue knowing god Hosea chapter four begins in verse one. It says, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel, the Lord has brought charges against you saying there is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. So the Lord is bringing charges against Israel. And one of those charges is that there is no knowledge of God in the land. The idea of knowing God shows up quite a bit in the passages that we're reading this week from Hosea. Hosea 5 verse 4 says, you are a prostitute through and through and you do not know the Lord. And then Hosea 5:15 says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. So God's people, Israel, they are not seeking him. They don't really know him. And to know God means to know him with your head and with your heart. So knowledge of God does include a right understanding of God's word, an understanding of what God says is right and what God says is wrong, but it also involves a personal relationship with God where you trust him. You acknowledge him as Lord and Savior in your life. You don't just know about God but you know God you experience him you're in relationship with him and so I want to ask us how much do we know about God versus how much do we actually know God And if I'm honest, this is a tough one for me because I can be so prone to wanting to know about God. And so when I go to the Bible, and these are good things, when I go to the Bible, I want to study it, I want to learn it, I want to know who everyone is and what's going on, I want to read all the notes in my study Bible. But if I'm honest, sometimes it's easier for me to go to God's word to learn about him than to actually sit in the presence of the God that I'm reading about and learning about in the Bible to know and really experience God takes time. It requires us to slow down. It requires us to be still. I don't know about you, but I'm not super great at slowing down or stillness. Um, It takes patience. It can be hard to wait on God. It can be hard to wait for God to speak and to wait and be patient before him. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. There's something that happens when we are still before the Lord, and if you've been still before the Lord, you probably know this, but there's something that happens when we cease our doing and our activity and our producing and and our striving and we just sit still before the Lord. There's something that happens there that helps us to know God. So Hosea tells us that Israel has no knowledge of God, and then Hosea continues, verse 2, uh, Chapter four, verse two says there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So sin is abounding in Israel. God's people are breaking the Ten Commandments and their sin is proof that they do not know God. The way they live reveals what they believe. And that same thing is true of us. The way we live, the way we act, the decisions and choices we make really ultimately reveals what we believe. If we really know God, if we really trust him, and if we know his word and we're in relationship with him, then the way we live should reflect that. James 2, 14 through 17, this passage in the New Testament says, "'What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, "'if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions?' Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you do not give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now I want to clarify, James is not saying that we need to work to earn our salvation. He is not saying that righteousness is gained through good works or through the law. The Bible is super crystal clear that salvation is a gift from God. It cannot be earned. And the only way to be saved is to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. But What James is telling us is that if we say we have faith in Jesus, if we say we know and believe in God, then our lives should show that. The more we know and follow Christ, the more we will desire to do good works and to flee from sin. So how do we know God? How do we know God more and more? Because I don't think we ever arrive at, well, I know God enough, I'm good. So all of us on this earth can continue to know God more and more. We spend time with God, that's one of the best ways that we know God, we seek him, we slow down, we listen to him, Um, we build listening and stillness and silence into our rhythms with the Lord. We change our habits and our rhythms to make time with God a priority every day. We read his word, we spend time in his word, trusting that God's word is alive and active, and that when we spend time in his word, God will strengthen us, he will challenge us, and he will transform us through his word. I talked with someone recently who had struggled for a long time with an addiction to pornography, and they had taken some steps toward freedom over the years. They had done some things like counseling and accountability and prayer and confession But I was talking with them recently and I said, hey, how are you doing with this area of your life? And they said, oh, I'm doing great. This isn't even a struggle for me anymore. And I said, oh, why? That's awesome. What are you, what is the reason for that? And they only pointed to one reason. They said one thing. They said, well, ever since I started an intentional habit of spending time in God's word, pornography just hasn't been a struggle for me anymore. Being in God's word is literally life-changing. And I use the word literally a lot when I really should say figuratively, but literally God's word is life-changing. When we spend time in God's word, it helps us to know God. And when we know God, it changes our desires and our habits and our actions. So if you wanna be different today, if there's an area of your life, your marriage, your parenting, your attitude, your thoughts, whatever it is that you want to change and to glorify God If there's an area of sin that you want to be free from, that you want to move away from, I encourage you, spend more time reading God's word than you're currently doing and then watch how God shows up. So one action that Israel needed to take and that we need to take is to know God. We need to pursue knowing God. And then the second action we see in Hosea is that Israel needed to return to God Israel needed to return to God, and so do we. Hosea 6, verses 1 through 3 say this. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who is torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. So Israel had turned to other gods. They were living in sin, and what they needed to do was return to the one true God that the Bible speaks of. This idea of returning to the Lord has to do with repentance, and repentance means a change of mind, a change of direction. Repentance could be defined as a change of mind that results in a change of action. So when we repent, we're doing a 180. We're saying, look, I was going in this direction, but now I'm going in the totally opposite direction. So when we repent of our sin, we say, God, I was going in this direction, but now I'm changing my mind about this sin. I'm repenting of this sin, and I'm going in this direction. I'm moving away from my sin, and I'm moving towards you, God. Some commentators think that the verses that we just read in Hosea 6 um, were not actually a true repentance on the part of Israel. They think it was insincere or not really a genuine prayer of repentance. Um, Another commentary suggests that it actually wasn't so much Israel's prayer of repentance, but it was Hosea doing intercessory prayer. So it was the prayer of repentance that Hosea wanted Israel to pray, but we're not actually sure how many people did or didn't pray it. But regardless of that, um, either way, the choice still remains for Israel and for us as we struggle in sin. And the choice still remains for us to choose to repent and to return to God. So ask God to search your heart and convict you of your sin, confess your sin, ask God to forgive you, turn away from your sin, and turn towards God. So I wanna ask us ladies, where in your life do you need to return to God? Is there an area of your life where you're disobeying God? Is there an area of your life where if you're honest, you're just not living the way God wants you to. You're not choosing what you know is God's best for you. Is there an area of your life where you've given up on God? where do you need to return to him today and it could be a small decision it could be a really big part of your life for me that story i shared earlier about watching the 24 tv series that was a small but important decision for me of returning to god and not continuing to be distracted from him As long as we have breath here on this earth, we always will have opportunities to return to God. And we can trust that as we return to him, we will find mercy and grace and forgiveness and love from him. I want us to read again Hosea chapter six, verse three. It says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. And I love that verse, let us press on to know the Lord. May that be true of us our entire lives. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. So these... In this verse, verse three, this reminds us that God is reliable. He is dependable. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. So just so we know that when we wake up in the morning, the sun is gonna rise, or it might already have risen depending what time you get up, and when we go to sleep at night, the sun is going to set. We can trust that God is always gonna be with us and for us, that when we come to him, we will be able to receive his love and his grace and his mercy. If we seek God, if we return, to him we will always find him. Hebrews 4:16 says, "Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. No matter what you've done or said, no matter what's been done to you, you can approach the throne of grace. You can approach God with confidence, trusting that you will receive his mercy and his love and his help. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is full of grace forgiveness and mercy israel needed to know god and they needed to return to god and we need to do the same one of the things i love about this these ideas of knowing god and returning to god are that they really go hand in hand and what i mean by that is if we really truly know god if we know his love for us if we're in relationship with him if we know and believe that god is who he says he is if we trust in all that christ has done for us on the cross then we will desire to return to him over and over and over again because we will recognize that there's no other place we want to be and there's no other place worth being. There's a story in the Gospel of John, and it says this. Many of Jesus' disciples turned back. They no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So the more we know God, the more we will return to him, and the more we return to him, the more we will know him. Because like the verse we just read said, where else would we go? To whom else would we go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. I want to say one last thing about returning to God. For Israel, in order to return to God, one of the things they needed to do was to stop worshipping other gods. They needed to stop worshipping Baal and they needed to turn their worship and their attention and their focus back to the God of the Bible, the one true God. And for for Israel, when they were worshiping Baal, for those who were worshiping Baal, um, some of the things that went into worshiping Baal included ritual prostitution and sexual immorality. So there were ways that Israel was sinning and disobeying God in regards to sexuality and what God says is right and good when it comes to sexuality. A couple weeks ago, we asked this question. We said, is there an area of your life, whether you're single or you're married, where you are not living how God wants you to when it comes to your sexuality. And for some of you, your sexuality is an area where you need to return to God. You need to repent, confess your sin, and return to God. But I also want to take a moment to acknowledge that for some of us, there are Sexual sins that were committed against us, these were things we did not choose and they may have been forced upon us, but they were out of our control. And regardless of where you find yourself in this experience, if you feel like, hey, I I need to repent of my sin, or hey, there, there are some things that were done to me that I need healing and I need freedom from and I need God's help in this, I want you to hear there is freedom, there is healing, and there is hope available because of Jesus Christ. And whether you believe that or not, it is true. And one of the ways we wanna help you guys see the truth in that is in a moment, I'm gonna invite a woman from our community up to share with us. And she has her own story, so I will let her share that, but she has her own story related to this area we're talking about. And she's gonna share with you, and so I just want you guys to hear from her, her story, and how she's experienced healing, and then she's also gonna lead us in a time of prayer as well, and then I'll come back up. But would you welcome, I'm gonna invite up Susan. Susan's been part of CA for 10 years, and she's gonna share with us. Is that
2: on? When I uh, read ahead of what we were gonna do today, I said, oh my gosh, they are so brave to do something very difficult that we never talk about in the church, but we need to. Because one of the callings of the church is to be a hospital, to bring love and healing into those places where we've been hurt and wounded. And so I've had um, the privilege of being in the inner healing movement with the Lord for about 30 years. I prayed with women who have had one event happen in their life that has destroyed them. I prayed with women who have had so many different partners that they couldn't even remember how many encounters they had had with other people. And now I have the privilege of uh, teaching an inner healing class with the homeless women, a part of Union Rescue Mission up at Hope Gardens. And so inner healing is my passion. And the way it became my passion is because of what happened in my life, which I'm going to share with you. Um, Statistically, they say one out of every three women, by the time they're adults, have been raped, abused, or had an abortion. In my life, I would say that that's much higher. It's probably nine out of ten women. Um, That might be because of who I am, and it might be because we live in a sinful world. And bad things happen. And bad things happen to all of us. And God is so good and so faithful to bring healing and restoration to each one of us. I had the privilege of hearing Corrie Ten Boom when I was a young girl. She was the Holocaust survivor who was put in a concentration camp because she saved the Jews. And she had to learn to forgive those who came against her. And what she said that day is she said, there is no sin so deep that God's love is not deeper still and that became kind of a thing that marked my life and who I was when I was a young girl I was raised in a family where there was lots of drugs there was lots of alcohol there was lots of molestation there was abuse my grandmother was not only a witch but she was a nude model so we had pornography all over the house Everyone in my generation was either molested or raped by the time they reached adulthood. I remember the parties were the hardest times because people were always drinking and smoking and doing drugs. And um, if you were not careful, you would be backed in a corner of someone you didn't know and they would do what they wanted to do. So I found safety in being next to my mother all the time because at least then I was safe. So there are many, many occasions in our lives where we're not safe. Sometimes it's because we chose to be in a situation where we put ourselves in a place with someone and all of a sudden something happened and we were not safe, we weren't wise. And sometimes it's because we chose something that led us into a lack of safety and a lack of death. And so God, though, is such a good and great God. He restores death and he restores sin and he sets us free. And that's what it's all about, to be a part of the church and to breathe life and love into each other. Jill's been talking about all the verses in Hosea. Hosea is such an incredible book of redemption because here this prostitute walks away again and again, but God, Hosea, is always calling her back, just like we walk away. But God is always calling us back. One of my sisters went through counseling to be saved and to let God heal her from all the pain that she encountered. One of my sisters went through um, a Christian ministry and pastors to help her go through all the pain and the death that she encountered and God set her free. For me it was inner healing. So what it was was inner healing is that place where you have prayer warriors around you and you take all those things that are buried inside you and you say, I'm not gonna hold those secrets inside me anymore. I'm going to expose them and give them to the Lord. And as they're exposed, then god breaks the power of that sin and destroys it so it no longer controls you and that's why in the second chapter of third chapter of acts peter in his second sermon he ends the sermon with this beautiful beautiful verse that's exactly what joe was talking about it says repent and turn back to god so that your sins will be removed. But then it goes on even further to the verse that she showed. So that springs of water may come from the Lord and you will feel refreshing in his presence. You see, that's what happens when we repent. Whatever sin it is that has come against us or whatever sin we have committed when we repent The Bible says we're actually removing the veil that was between us and God. And we see him, and we feel him, and times of refreshing come in his presence. So I would just encourage you, if it's been a long time since you felt the Lord around you, there may be a veil, something that needs to be given to him. And so uh, with your permission, I'm going to ask the Lord, if he would just open up all of our eyes right now. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are such a good and faithful God. When we were beginning to worship, there were waves of love coming in this room. Would you bring those waves of love in us, around us, right now, again? Would you remind us that you are love, that you are holiness, that you are joy and that you are peace in your goodness and in your righteousness you ask each one of us to repent to turn those things in our lives that are not of you back to you so that we can be set free so Holy Spirit would you come now in every mind and in every heart And would you reveal some sin, either that we have done or a sin that we had committed against us? Would you reveal that sin right now? Father God, We just repent right now. We repent of the sins that we chose. We repent of the sins that came against us and the judgments that we held in our heart against those people. We repent and we turn back to you. We repent for sins of immorality or sexual explicit things that we have held on to for curses that have come against us from rapes or abortions, from pain that we have held onto all of our lives. Today, this day, we repent. And we pray that you would break the power of those curses, break the power of that shame, break the power of the blame that we have held onto. We pray, Jesus, that you would take off the dirty garments of shame that we have worn because of the sins that we have allowed to empower us and tear us down. And we say we won't agree with them any longer. So would you cover us with your blood and with your righteousness right now? Would you cleanse us from the dirty garments that we have worn and would you set us free that our sins are removed. Jesus, we pray right now as you remove those sins that you would put your streams of refreshing upon each one of us, that you would set us free, that we could again go boldly into your presence and know that you are good and know that you are God. And know that you love us. We give you permission to reveal all those things that we have hidden away, thinking that we are not partnering with them anymore. We say, we do not partner with those sins any longer. Bring restoration now. Reveal those secret things that we might be set free. And we give you all praise and all glory, because you are a good and holy God. Would you wrap each one of us again in a wave of love? Would you wrap each one of us again in a robe of righteousness? We are righteous not because of what we do. We are righteous because we stand in you and you put your loving righteousness around us. So would you call us again, your beloved daughters, and bring us to righteousness. And we give you all praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you probably felt immediately lighter Some of you may be in conflict. It's because the sins that you're holding onto are much deeper, and it's hard to let go in a moment. So I would encourage you to find a counselor, a pastor, inner healing, and be totally set free. So, Jill.
1: Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks for sharing your story. We're so grateful for the healing God's brought in your life, but also grateful for your willingness to share it with us. And you know, when you read the scriptures, it's clear that God can heal, that God does heal, that there is hope, that he's a miracle worker and a way maker, but sometimes it's just so powerful to hear the story of someone who's following Jesus and has been set free and has been healed. Um, So Susan, we're grateful for you and thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing with us. Well, you guys, as we close before we head to our tables, I just wanna continue just in a posture of prayer for just another moment. So you can take whatever posture is comfortable for you. And I just want to give us a few more things to pray through. If you, if you resonated with what Susan was saying, if the Lord was bringing things to mind and you just feel like that's still the spot you're in, you can stay in that spot. You can continue to talk to the Lord about that, invite his freedom and his healing. So don't feel like you have to move on from that. But what I want to encourage us to do right now in a posture of prayer with the Lord is just to think on these things that we've been talking about today, specifically Israel's need and our need to know God and to return to God. And so I invite you where you're at to just sit with the Lord and invite him and and say, God, speak to me, where do I need to know you more or where do I need to return to you more? And just invite the Lord to speak to you on that. God, I pray that you would help us to know you more. Whether we're here and we would say we don't know you at all or we know you a little or we know you really well, I just pray you would continue to deepen our walk with you, deepen our relationship with you. Um, God, help us to set aside anything that distracts us from you, any obstacle that stands in our way of knowing you. And God, in the places where you're calling us to return to you, I pray you would give us courage. I pray you'd give us strength. I pray you'd give us community and accountability Um, god i pray you'd give us confidence that we can approach your throne boldly and with confidence lord trusting that we will find forgiveness and mercy and grace and help in our time of need lord so give us all that we need to know you give us all that we need to return to you lord and then finally there are some of you here or some of you watching online or in your satellite group And the way you need to return to the Lord is by giving your life to Christ for the first time. And you might be thinking, well, how can I return to the Lord if I never said yes to him to begin with? But the truth is, whether you know it or not, we have always been the Lord's. So whether you acknowledge him or not, he created us, we've always been his. And so whether you're returning to him to the first, for the first time or the hundredth time, we are returning to our maker and our creator and our savior. So if you have never said yes to Jesus, but you wanna to return to him and say yes to him as your Lord and savior, you can do that. The good news, the gospel tells us that we are all sinners, we have all fallen short of God's glory, but that we can be forgiven for our sin and made right with God because God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to die for our sin. He paid the penalty so that we don't have to. And if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you will be saved and made right with God. You will receive forgiveness for your sins and you will receive the gift of eternal life. So if you want to return to Jesus for the first time and say yes to him, You can pray this prayer with me. You can pray this after. Uh, I'll pause in between, but you can pray this prayer with me. You can just say, God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Forgive me for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again to save me from my sin. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and savior and I commit to following you, God, all the days of my life. And if you're here and you prayed that prayer, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. We are so grateful. That is literally the best decision you could ever make with your life. And we would love to celebrate with you and follow up with you. So please let me or Coley know. Um, you can send us an email. The email will be on the video screen if you're joining us online, but we would love to celebrate with you guys. Well, let me say one final closing prayer and then we'll head to our tables. God, thank you so much for every person who is saved and thank you for every person who just got saved every person who is returning to you for the first time and every person returning to you for the hundredth or the millionth time lord god thank you for susan thank you for her story thank you for her honesty in sharing with us and sharing with so many other women thanks for the work you've done in her and thanks lord that you can do that same work in us lord thank you that you are our healer our miracle worker our way maker lord so i pray God, I pray for every woman here, whatever you've been speaking to us, whatever we came in with, whatever burdens we have or sins from the past or from today, Lord, I just pray your nearness. I pray, God, that we would experience your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would do a healing work in us that only you can do, Lord. So help us to trust you and to wait on you for that healing work, Lord. Send us out and help us to spend all of our days pursuing knowing you and returning to you, Lord. We love you. We pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen.